It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan sided network. I'm Brian Cat NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick, and it is a really good emergency episode, especially from this side of the podcast. I mean, the Dolphins come away with Saints three time Pro Bowl left tackle, Teron Armstead. And this was a player that was regarded by just about every media outlet, ESPN, NFL.com, PFF, as a top three free agent heading into this class. We've had a lot of discussions about him, Paul, in this show. And, I mean, when you take a look at the Dolphins' offensive tackle play over the last couple of years, Jesse Davis, Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg, Julian Davenport, Jamarcus Webb, the Dolphins land a three-time Pro Bowler, and they do it at a shockingly reasonable price. Yeah, this this price that they landed him at alleviates my concerns because the performance I expect from him is going to far exceed the value of the contract, even if he misses a few games. And this contract gives you the opportunity to supplement in a way that you don't have as many tough decisions to make at you know an average of 15 million a year i'm assuming that some of his incentives aren't reachable if he does end up injured which which keeps it in that area as opposed to going up to as high as 17 17 and a half million um which is criminally low i mean it's it's you and i had a quick conversation off the air there are so many linemen as far as average value per con- for per year for their contract that are making more than he is. I mean, I won't run down every single name, but suffice to say there's three guys that you could assign Morgan Moses to go with Teron Armstead and still be paying less than anybody is paying out there for Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, or even Laramie Tunsil. Um, and it, it, I think you had, what, 15 to 16 players on your list there that if you take his uh, his APY average per year, which is about 15 million, which could be, you know, up to 18 million with upsets. But if we keep it at 15 million a year, they're what if 16 to 18 offensive tackles that make it, they're making more right now. He is tied for 18th with Taylor Decker behind guys like Donovan Smith, Jordan, Maialata, uh Garrett Bowles, Braden Smith. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. First of all, you put you put some respect behind behind uh, Jordan Mailata's name. He's a phenomenal player. But other yeah, than that, is he is he Teron Armstead? No, uh, uh, he, he's probably better now. But that's beside the point. Uh, he could he, he's he's probably a top three tackle. Anyway, I'm getting off track. But like Taylor Decker, you mentioned, and, and that's that's a great name to bring up because if the Dolphins didn't land Armstead. I mean, literally plan B, if you really want to get a, a, an offensive tackle that's going to be guaranteed for the next three to five years to solidify that position, you're, you're talking about trading. Possibly the Lions are begging the Lions to trade the Dolph, to trade their first round pick for Taylor Decker and pay him that amount of money. And that's why 
this is such a big signing. I mean, I am when we did our show here this past Thursday, I was going on my on on my rant about how basically up to this point, I like the Ogba and Gesicki signing. I like the Connor Williams signing. I also like Cedric Wilson. But other than that, really underwhelmed with eight to ten players getting two, three, four million a year. And even though I don't completely defend that strategy now, my whole point was you can't suck up and dry all those dollars away and not come away with a good to great offensive tackle in this free agency class. You just can't do it. And now at the end of the day, Chris Greer played his cards right. He did. He played his cards well. I, it's You look at what he did here, the value that he got, and, and the fact that he didn't blink. And it's pretty awesome to see where he really got this to. I mean, the dollar amount alone and what this offensive line can be now with this addition is pretty damn cool, and it's a good time to be a Dolphins fan. And if you look at uh, uh, Teron Armstead, and, and just to give you some real viable stats here, as it, our, our numbers are reasons to be excited. Uh, you know, you could say what you want about PFF, but when he is constantly grading over a period of seven years as a top seven pass protecting tackle, it's pretty safe to say that he keeps the quarterback clean. And they keep a very good eye on pressures, sacks, hits, all that stuff. Teron Armstead, over the last four years, has, um, on average, he keeps the quarterback clean 41 of every 42 dropbacks. So just one out of every 42 dropbacks from the left tackle position is the quarterback getting hit, sacked, or hurried. So you compare that to Liam Eikenberg last year. And I know Eikenberg was a rookie, and he's going to move to right tackle. One out of every nine passes, Eikenberg was getting the quarterback dirty. And that was one of the worst in the league. Now you not only minimize that, but now you allow Eikenberg and Austin Jackson to move over to the right tackle position or the guard spot. So it th- this move not only makes the left tackle position so much better, it keeps Tua clean because he rolls out to the left so often, and it allows them to take two really disappointing offensive tackles and high picks and move them to right tackle positions they're probably better at. Yeah, and they may not be able to get, get in over there. Um Looking at things right now, and I, I, I know he showed up as a fat pig last offseason, uh, to, to quote uh, Brian Catanzaro, but Solomon Kinley's been working out like a phenom this offseason. So it also wouldn't shock me to see Hunt move back to right tackle, which we've talked about anyway, and then Solomon Kinley take over that right guard spot. And you may be talking about Austin Jackson as your backup left tackle, which is a hell of a lot better place to be, and Liam Eikenberg being your backup swing lineman. If that's the case, uh, good for Solomon Kinley. I'm still going to stick by my initial prediction. I don't think he'll ever play it down in this uh, zone blocking scheme ever again. So we'll see. That's just kind of a you know little uh, little side bet that that Paul and I have. He looks well, good. not actually not actually a side bet, but we should start tallying those things up. I mean, not, not, you know, not for a lot of, of money or anything like that, you know, but for some bragging uh, just, rights. Just, all right. Bragging rights. Fine. 
We're not gambling men. But anyway, I think too that this Calvin Ridley. Right. Too soon. Uh, oh no! See, I see. I because I'm <laughs> slow. I didn't. I, I I didn't get that, and and I'm talking. But moving on. Not not a great segue here. But uh, <laughs> in one move, as far as I'm concerned, you may have had a, a better grade on the Dolphins offseason up to this move than I did. But for me, it took the Dolphins offseason from a C minus to a B plus, and it took the offensive line. And I'm not exaggerating here, from a D plus or a C minus to a B. Because look, if you had is why the move was so big to get him is if you did not get Teron Armstead, you did not get a three-time Pro Bowl lineman, and you're probably not going to get Eric Fisher or Dwayne Brown either. And now you start getting into the season with maybe Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson at offensive tackle again. I don't care what the details are. That's a C-minus, D-plus unit at best. And so to get Armstead in here, incredible stuff. And every Dolphins fan listening to this should be really excited, at least on paper, heading into the season of of what this offensive line could be, a position that has completely screwed the team for the last two years. I'm going to take it a step further. It's what this does because the Dolphins basically took this giant hole and filled it. And you look across the rest of the offense now. Obviously, they've improved the offensive line now with this signing and with the Connor Williams signing. Cedric Wilson is a better number three receiver than anything we had on the team last year. We retain our talent at tight end. We got one of the top fullbacks in the game in Ingold. We improved the running back position. The only thing we have to cry about on offense right now, other than some nitpicking, we even improved the backup quarterback, is we lost Mac Hollins. We lost Duke Johnson, who we improved over anyway as much as I love Duke. And, what, we lost Greg Manx? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not crying over any of those moves. Uh, hey, look, uh, Duke Johnson, I, I always kind of accepted that he was not going to be back here because or after they signed Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, very simply because it didn't look like he fit that scheme. Look, he wants – Mike McDaniel wants running backs that get – to the hole with elite speed and Duke Johnson doesn't fit that bill, but he does have a very good all, all around game. And it wouldn't surprise me if he supplanted, unfortunately, Devin Singletary as the main ball carrier in that backfield. I mean, I, I think they have Singletary and Duke Johnson have similar skill, skill sets and Johnson might actually be better in that role. Um, but anyway, we'll worry about the bills later. This is a celebration tonight for the Dolphins' new pickup here. So uh, here's my question now. How does that change your outlook on the number 29 pick in the draft here? Is Do you say, okay, the Dolphins' offensive line now is good where it is? Or do you say, okay, maybe at 29, the Dolphins might be able to get a fourth really good offensive lineman and take this offensive line from – in, in my grade, a B or a B plus, up a level even. So I look at it differently than that. I think they could use the 29th pick to possibly elevate the offensive line. But I think we're actually in position right now 
to do something that we seem to talk about more often than we can and go BPA. Like, it's whoever the best player available is in that moment, I honestly think we can do that because our top few wide receivers are good. So unless, like, a Traylon Burks or a Jamison Williams falls, you know, one of those type of guys and a handful of others, we're in good shape. Uh, unless <clears throat> the right offensive lineman falls that Apple Bomb's pounding the table off the table for, we're in good shape. Definitely don't need a tight end. We could use a running back, but we don't have to spend a high pick for one. Um, you know, linebacker's the one spot where I can see wanting to do something high, whether that's I know I've got a man crush on Muma. But there's, you know, N'Kobe Dean, Devin Lloyd that probably won't fall to that pick. Uh, N'Kobe Dean definitely has more chances than Devin Lloyd. But then you got guys like Quay Walker, Christian Harris, uh, a number of folks. So I do expect a linebacker pick in the top three rounds. Corner? Whenever. If, if, if the right guy's there. Safety? Ooh, we look good there too. Hell, Nickelback? We got Needham back. Like, it's... Hell, we can use a fourth rounder on a rise at this point. Yeah, I mean, best player available is exactly right right now. It, it's not to say say that the team can't improve. I mean, I'm I, I'm not comfortable with Liam Eikenberg or Austin Jackson still at right tackle, but you know, Come you also right have on. Robert Hunt as a break you know break glass in case of emergency move from right guard to right tackle if he's not being even considered for right tackle right now which he might be so yeah i mean i there's not a position i point to and say that man oh man the dolphins absolutely have to get this position Paul. like i was saying you know 6 hours ago before they signed uh, Teron Armstead what's up punter Punter, who cares about punter? Actually, Brian Anger was re-signed by the Cowboys here a few hours ago. So they, they couldn't get into those sweepstakes uh, while trying to negotiate this. We're going for yard booming cannon leg, man. And Chris Greer was at Texas A&M's Pro Day today. So he, he knew the deal was done. And not a surprise. People were making a big deal about the uh, video of Greer and, you know, Greer being at Texas A&M's Pro Day and um, Tron Armstead being somewhere in Texas three hours away. And who knows? He probably just wanted to be there. Who knows? Um. <laughs> so, the other thing they were making a big deal about, too, and, and, and this is time for, for, you know, a quick old Uncle Paul lesson uh, on, on how front offices work. So people were making a big deal about the fact that Chris Greer was at Texas A&M today even while Teron Armstead was supposedly still in Miami. And if he was, so what? The general manager on 99% of teams out there over the past 15, 20 years at this point is barely a part of the big whale free agents, free agency visit, other than to shake his hand, introduce himself, and, hey, buddy, welcome welcome down here. Hope you enjoy yourself. And then the, the general manager typically pisses off. And there's a handler that takes that player and brings him to meet with coaches, wines and dines him, uh, takes him to some meetings with folks. Some of the ex-players takes him to his physical, 
takes him out on the town, chauffeurs him around. Meanwhile, the GM's job, while a player like that, like a Toronto Armstead is visiting, is to occasionally check in over the phone with his agent and say, hey, how do these numbers look for you? No? What are you thinking? Hmm. Let us get back to you. And then come back with the couple million more or the signing bonus if it works out. Make sure that the physical checks out. Make sure all those little things check out so the player, coaches, other players, etc., don't have to talk or think money other than Armstead maybe calling his agent and going, dude, make it happen. Or his agent calling saying, hey, how's it going? Here's what we've come to. You good with it? Awesome. That's it. The GM doesn't have to be physically there. The GM, can, and I put this point, point out today, Chris Greer could have gone on a flight with SpaceX so long as he had phone service from the, from the flight in orbit back to Earth and done his job as far as this goes. And based on the results today, Chris Greer can be anywhere he wants to because he did what he should have done today. I hope he got ice cream while he was at A&M. Yeah, and I think you put it best when you said it's not like uh, you know Chris Greer and Tron Armstead in a room together wrestling over a pen. You know? yeah. Like, make <laughs> him sign it's... before he leaves. Put him in a half. <laughs> Shoot the half. Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works, man. Right, exactly. I mean, so it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited. I really don't have a whole lot left uh, just to tell our fans here. Thank you for uh, uh, joining us here, and Dolphins fans for joining us here tonight about Teron Armstead. And you know, we should be excited because they have Pro Bowl talent now at the offensive tackle spot. It needs to be pointed out too that there are injury concerns. I mean, he tore his ACL here halfway through the season, and th- this past season. He had surgery in January, should be on track to uh, start the season. Um, and that is that is a concern. But I'll also point out that before he tore his ACL, he went through a span of two and a half years between the Saints playoff run at the end of 2018. So, and the middle of 2021, there were 44 games, and he only missed one game with injury. He missed two games with COVID, and he made two Pro Bowls. And that's it. so this whole idea that, well, if you sign Armstead, then you can forget about him ever playing a full year. No, he would not be considered a top three free agent on every publication if that were the case because of his production and because it's not accurate to say that he's only going to play eight, nine, or ten games this, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to point that out first. And, and, and you and I, I think we said this off the air, so I'm going to repeat it here. At $15 million a year, I'll take that risk for a player of Armstead's caliber every day of the week. The fact that if and when we go to the playoffs, he should be there. He, he might miss a few games. But he misses games, he's going to lose out on some of his incentives. So it's the risk is worth the dollar amount that we're spending here and, and what we can supplement it with with the extra money that's available because, because of the way this contract's worded, because of the incentives that those incentives are likely to reach incentives that, count, that might count against the cap for a given year. But if he gets hurt and doesn't match those incentives, that money from those likely to reach incentives gets rolled into the following year's cap. 
So it's a worthwhile thing. Um, and and also, yep, go ahead. Yeah. It also too, I mean, in addition to money, I mean, what can't be overstated, it's, it's it's been said in our chat, uh, Mike, who said it, he said, uh, uh, Captain Paul, I will not get over the picture in my head of Armstead standing up in that offensive line room to do a hands-on demonstration of a block instead of Jesse Davis. And that's exactly right, because the reality is young players listen to guys like Teron Armstead who have been great in their career. Leadership from a Jesse Davis standpoint doesn't work. Jesse Davis has done everything he could in his NFL career to be good. He isn't good, but he still made a very good career for himself as an undrafted free agent. Teron Armstead is not only a leader, but he's a great player. So that's the player you're going to listen to, and that has unbelievable benefits as you know, as as those younger players that the Dolphins have drafted over the last two years have tried to find somebody to look up to. Yeah, and and Teron Armstead just gets this done, and 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 we're gonna beat ourselves to death saying this. So, um, real quick, guys, we, we've got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of content coming up over the next month, month and a half, leading up to the draft and probably in the week or two following the draft. We've got our positional previews coming up. We're really hitting our stride with the offseason. If you get a chance, go check us out on uh, the Finns tailgate the other night. We put the link up on all our social media. That was a great time we we had with the guys over there. But make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. If you're listening to us on iTunes, throw us a review out there. Those are all things that are free, but help us out. And and we're not we're not the type of people that are going to be begging you guys for anything. But I just wanted to put that out there. It's we really appreciate you guys. This is going to be a fun season this year. This is truly going to be a fun season this year. I'm super excited. And Cat, I know I'm speaking for you, but I know you're actually excited because we got Jolly Cat tonight instead of Angry Cat. Oh, absolutely! You know, I'm you know pumped. A, you know it's a good. I am pumped. Jolly Cheers. <laughs> and but seriously, you guys, know. Like and and in fact, I'm so excited, Paul, that this Saturday we're going to do a one round dueling mock draft. One round, me versus you. Yes, let's go for the entire NFL. Seven thirty a.m. Central Time. Catch the replay uh, if you can't see it live, and uh, then from that point, we're going to start rolling into our positional breakdowns, and they're going to come fast and furious. Uh, we're going to have two or three of those every single week heading up into the draft, as well as our top Dolphins boards. We're going to make sure you get all prepared for the draft. Be sure to join us. And that's going to do it. We're going to have a fullback episode. Yeah. No, we're not. No, no. It's necessary. It's a key Done. component. Done. We're not going to talk about three guys for half an hour. Key component. Mike McDaniel's <laughs> offense. Fullbacks. Let's go. Maybe. You know what? If, if, if you nail one. me down for a date and time now, then I might... Uh, it might be 10 it. minutes, but it's worth it because it's important. It's worth it to you. It's not worth it's, it to me. It's value got two, for me. You got two fullbacks on the roster, and in my opinion, one of them should be cut already. You could, you, but, could, you, you could squeeze. We have three fullbacks on the roster. We got Christian Wilkins, baby. Yeah, that's true. In fact, you could put I mean, you could put anybody fullback. I mean, and we got tailback Robert Hunt on the roster. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Darius Hodge uh, from signed from last year. He's like, what? 260 pounds. I'd put him at fullback. I mean, 
doesn't take any talent to play fullback. So I mean, I want Robert Hunt him back there. Passes out of the backfield. No, uh, I, I'm actually happy the Dolphins sign Alec Engel because if you're going to sign a fullback, sign one of the best, and he is one of the best. So I will, I will say that. And thank you all for joining us here tonight. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan sided network and finfanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. <laughs>